Welcome to One Time on the Internet, your travel guide to internet history. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to One Time on the Internet, your travel guide to internet history. It's a very special day because we have a guest. Ah! <laughs> we don't get to do that very often. We'll go around and we'll say who we are to get that out of the way because um, mine's less important. Hi, I'm Sage. I go by not Sage everywhere on the internet. Bijan, what's your deal? Hey, that's me. Uh, it's Bijan, Bijan Steven. I do a lot of things online, but now I make podcasts for a living. You should like and subscribe to them. Rowan. <laughs> hey, hi, I'm Rowan Hall. I'm the Rowan Hall everywhere on the internet. And I'm Harry Horror. Um, I do true crime stuff on Twitch. So, you know, you know where to find me at this point. You can't be listening and not know. Let's get to the important person. Let's talk about Ian, please. Uh, wait, Hello. let him introduce himself. Please. Oh, right? I can introduce myself? We love that. Be our oh, guest, literally. Sweet. Uh, hello, I'm Ian Peacox. Uh, I, I think I think my handles are probably Smosh Ian or maybe Ian Peacox. Uh, <laughs> I do I do funny videos online on a thing called Smosh. Yeah, that's a great. And we, we do have your, your ad handle on there. It is it is Smoshian. Oh, OK. OK, good to know. I got you. Don't worry. I haven't checked recently. I don't know. I love that it was change. iffy for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I just don't know. Sometimes I mean, sometimes things change without you knowing, you know, this. Yeah. I feel like this is the this is aging. You've described the process of aging. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. Sometimes sometimes things that just hurt. change. Yeah. And look, I've I I turned 30 in August and I was like, all right, this is fine. And then I had like last night I was hammered and I was like, fuck, <laughs> I lost two years of my life. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I, I like was 28 when this all the pandemic started. And I just yeah. worked into like a next a new decade. Wow. Yeah. I'm still in 2020, if I'm being honest. Like 2022 is something like 94 days away or some insane number, and I'm not ready. It's not real. It can't hurt you. It I really can't. I love that we've started this on such a deeply existential note. <laughs> yeah. This Sorry. is what happens when you let me talk for too long. That's fine. Hey. Hello, you know Ian from Smosh. Time won't stop moving. What could you do about it? <laughs> Make funny videos. That's it. That's all yeah, you can do. Basically. Have you yeah. been using the same at handle since Smosh started? Or since I guess you got a Twitter because Smosh would have predated Twitter. Yeah, Smosh predated Twitter. Oh my God. Um, so I think I just, you know, I don't remember if we had to like get the handle from from some random person or or what. We were pretty early into into Twitter, and normally like I'm I'm kind of like I'm kind of a luddite. Like I don't really adopt technology uh, that quickly and kind of wait to see if everyone else agrees if it's stupid or good. Which is um, so ironic. <laughs> yeah, the irony is insane. Yeah, I mean, well, the reason we the reason we got on YouTube so early, which was in two thousand five, was because somebody stole our video, um, and we were paying hosting fees for people to watch our videos on MySpace. So the it it was really just like a value proposition for us, <laughs> like wow. you know. Uh, uh, uploading on YouTube was free, so that was, <laughs> that was our reason for for getting on YouTube so early. It's like we didn't have to pay anymore. This is great. God. That's yeah. wild. I had no idea. So uh, on the last episode, we talked about the very beginning of YouTube. We touched on 
2005 to uh, the best of our ability. And today we're talking about the channels that uh, had those kind of beginnings and are, are still making content today, which is, of course, why Ian's here. Uh, just astoundingly and uniquely qualified uh, for this topic of just adapting with a platform and, and building something also just bigger, which is wild. Um, so thank you for coming to talk with us. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I get to work with Ian all the dang time. Uh, yeah. On Smosh Game stuff and things of the sort. But I guess I would love to, I, I think it would put a, a ribbon on our previous episode if you would tell us a little more about those kind of like, those beginnings. What was, what was your perspective of the landscape of YouTube in 2005 when you started? Yeah, I mean, our perspective was like, was really just like, oh, there's there's some people here that are that are like watching videos, and, and we had like a small, teeny tiny audience that we were building on on MySpace, um, and then this YouTube thing came around. We we're like, okay, so like you can upload your videos there. It's free. Like we kind of looked at it like the live action version of Newgrounds which was this uh, flash animation website where you would make little flash animations, upload it there, and they hosted the videos. And, you know, you build an audience. And, and like uh, Anthony and I, Anthony being the person that I created Smosh with, uh, we were big Newgrounds fans. Um, and I think that's what kind of got us like interested in like creating. Um, so we started off, I mean, we were just trying to entertain ourselves. So we had these, we made these little like lip sync music videos. Um, and so first we started with like Power Rangers, then we did Mortal Kombat, then we did like Pokemon theme song. And uh, and they were building like a small, um, small audience on MySpace. And we kind of leveraged that audience to get us like the first sort of views on YouTube. Uh, there was no discoverability on YouTube at that time. There's no algorithm. <laughs> there was no, there was no way to like find people on YouTube. The the only way that you can like find content was like you could sort by like the most commented or the most viewed videos of the week, um, and that was the only way to get discovered. So we were in a, a good position where we could kind of use our MySpace to promote our YouTube channel. Um, so we can get into those, uh, those charts. So also back then, uh, I mean, the only way to like truly get discovered on YouTube was to have your video get put on the front page. Um, so it's like before the trending page or any of that, before like the algorithm, just putting things on your YouTube home, there was like a front page that somebody at YouTube would, would just like hand select videos and just put them on there and <laughs> that's where like a lot of people found their their big breaks um because you were just put in like on the front page of youtube it's pretty great uh and at that time you could actually vote to have uh a video put on the front page so we kind of you know cheated that a little bit by telling people to vote for us. <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. It sounds like discoverability on YouTube in 2005 is what Twitch is in 2021. Um, yes. It's it, the exact please. same structure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it reminds I, me of how people are using TikTok to point to, toward the longer form of YouTube now. Like it's kind of flipped on its head. You always see people on TikTok being like, go to my YouTube, go to my yeah, YouTube. Because they can make money there. 
Yeah. TikTok is also, I mean, just this is a this is a bit of a tangent, but TikTok is fascinating because it does almost feel like early YouTube. Like people blow up for like no like I mean the early YouTube algorithm days, not like early, early, early YouTube, which is what we're talking about. But you know, like no one knows how that algorithm really works. Like it's fascinating and it just blows random people up every day. Yeah. Every it day. Feels, it feels like the kind of Right, it does, actually. It, I have learned hidden desires from my TikTok for you page. Mostly, it's, it's like wombats and stuff. I don't know. Oh. Were they hidden desires or did TikTok tell you to desire them? That's a That's question. a thing, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, you know how sometimes it takes a long time to admit something to yourself? Mm. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Early love for wombats. Excellent. <laughs> they poop square, dude. It's sick. Oh. Mm-hmm. Circling back, being pre-heavy monetization yeah. on YouTube. What what was that like? Because I've never been on a platform <laughs> that wasn't already monetized. monetized. Well, I mean, t- what about Twitter? Like, Twitter didn't have, like, an ad for, like, five years. Twitter's terrifying. Full Twitter stuff. is terrifying. Like, it, that's a but valid it, comparison, but I think the effort that I put into a tweet is nowhere near what you put into a YouTube video in 2005. True. Okay, okay. I, 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 I understand the question. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was wild. I think, you know, we were, we, so in like 2007, um, at this time, there's not a single ad that was on YouTube. Uh, I don't think they had sold to Google yet. Um, they were just their own company going off of funding. Um, I think they, uh, so they came to us and like nine or 10 other creators and said like, okay, um, we're doing this experiment where, you know, we're going to pay you a certain amount of money and then we're going to run uh, a little like pop-up ad, like, like what's now known as like a three quarters ad, just a little like pop-up ad. Um, wow. and we were, you know, excited for that, but also terrified because, before that there had been no ads on YouTube and we we're like, well, everyone's going to call us a sellout. Um, but also we wanted to move out of our parents' house. Um, and, and, you know, maybe see if we can make this into some sort of career. So, uh, we agreed to do it. And, and, you know, as expected, a lot of people called us sellouts, uh, which is understandable. We were, but yeah. you know, worth it. Um, and, <laughs> I, but but it's so funny because like this is just a little teeny tiny pop up mm-hmm. ad, you know. This this is way before you know they started doing pre roll ads, unskippable pre roll ads, uh, mid roll ads. This was just a little teeny tiny pop up, and people were freaking out. Um, just kind of far. Just kind of funny how far we've come. Yeah. Now ads are so integrated that people have to say like, "This is not an ad. I just like this thing." Yeah. Well, yeah. That too. Well, and you, you have you have this culture now of sell. Somebody's like, "Hey, they got the bag." They, you know. Yeah. They, yeah. They, okay. It's, it's so inevitable that I hey, I'm glad you. Culture. I'm glad you secured from the yep. big corporate conglomerate because I'm not going to buy that toothpaste, but I'm glad they sold you to Hawkett <laughs> or I, they, they paid you to Hawkett. I okay. So first of all, I'm glad you left your parents' basement. That's great. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm glad it worked out. Oh, there's no basements in California. They're illegal in New York, and yet people still live in them. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> if you build it, they will come. They because there's no room. Uh, we we build up anyway. Um, no, but like I, it's really funny. The, the, like the idea of selling out is 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 antiquated. I think because it's it was 
premised on the idea that you could make an honest living like not doing that. Like you could make enough money to like have an apartment and, without taking a major label record deal. You know what I mean? It's like, and that's not the case. That he's like, this is a function of inequality. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm really curious about those early days. Cause like, were you, were you like talking to other creators and like, what was the scene like, the social scene around YouTube like back then? I mean, at, at that time, everybody knew everybody. Um, it was it was definitely like a smaller community, and and there's a lot of people that that were that started back in that time that that sort of bemoan uh, what's what's happened to the you know quote unquote YouTube community. But I think that happens with everything. You have a small enough pool of people, you're going to build a community. Once you grow past a certain point, that community could no longer exist, or it splinters into different things. And I think that's what it's become now. You know, you have like the science community of of YouTube and then you have like the like uh, like the maker community and then you have it's it's all kind of like splintered now into like these sort of like um micro interests. Um which I think is great. Um uh, but yeah, back then like everybody everybody knew everybody. Uh the first VidCon uh, was just like super chill. Like everyone was just kind of like hanging out in the lobby of this hotel, uh, just like you know, fans, creators. So you were at the first VidCon, then. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm yeah, gonna was... assume any time in this story, y'all were the first or at the first of anything. Yeah, I mean, y'all were in the first ten people monetized. Like, yeah, that's yeah. wild. We literally have in here because like one of the people we wanted to talk about, of course, was John and Hank Green when talking mm. about the beginning of the platform. And like, I had notes on here about VidCon, and I'm just like. Oh, that's actual perspective on it. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we can yeah. definitely just. We I I have so many questions. Um, because <laughs> like, it's like I, I think one one thread that I think we should we can probably get to later is about like longevity as a creator and like what it's like to like have been making videos this long. But I'm curious actually more about like something that's more nebulous, which is like back then no one really understood what YouTube was like the public didn't get it like it was like it was something that was still being sold right it was like a it was a thing what did it feel like to be like a guy making his living off of YouTube when that wasn't like a thing like when it wasn't legible to other people Hmm. yeah I mean there's definitely like a lot of judgment from people like whenever I would tell like a strange if I'd be on like a plane and they'd be like oh what do you do like somebody sitting next to me, I'm like, See, uh, don't, talk, don't talk to strangers. Didn't <laughs> yeah. your parents teach you? <laughs> well, I was a big boy at this time. Okay, okay. I could All talk right. to strangers. I was a big boy. He um, monetized. He could yeah, talk monetized. to strangers. He now. left the basement. Once you get monetized, you can talk to strangers. Yeah, um, but but it was it was always like such a weird conversation for the first you know probably the first like five years that we were making money on the platform somebody would be like oh what do you do for 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 work or for a living or whatever like um well um i do i make like videos on youtube and there's like and you make money doing that i'm like yeah yeah and they're like how like there's always like this massive amount of like judgment and just like not believing what i was saying (laughs) Um, and then, and then there was just like this, I feel like there was this moment where it just like switched and then everyone assumed like, uh, you know, that I, that I didn't make any money. And then suddenly people would just assume that I was like a millionaire where they're just like, oh, so you make like a lot of money. And I'm like, well, 
I mean, you got that. You got that we have YouTube a, money. Do you remember yeah, pop up ad money? <laughs> remember what year that was when it switched? I mean, gosh, it was probably. I mean, it was probably around the time of like PewDiePie and stuff coming up, mm. like where mm. where like the gaming thing started becoming bigger, and then you started seeing like like massive audiences like showing up for people. I, I think like probably probably as like mobile became bigger so it wasn't just kids like watching on their desktop anymore so that's quite um, a year then that was, but i, that but was I think like really too was like in the, when once youtube made an actual contribution google made an actual contribution to youtube and they invested directly in machinima that was like 35 million into machinima directly around that same time you're describing so mm -hmm. it, it would kind of make sense that that would be the time frame there's actual tangible cash coming in to an, yeah. a content creation channel for the first time ever I just I remember think, this. Oh, I'm sorry, Ian. Go. No, go for it. I just remember this big flip into the idea of curation being just as valuable as actually owning and consuming something. And because I was kind of off the internet and I remember, you know, people wanted to own clothes and then all of a sudden it was valuable to just like something. So there was that flip to being a part of a digital community. Like I am curating the content I am consuming. And that increased the value of content in general. It, I, it felt like this kind of, I don't want to say cultural zeitgeist, but like. Well, yeah. it sounds like you're explaining an influencer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, we did live through a bunch of revelations about the internet. Like we're all old enough to have like, yeah. got, do you guys remember dial-up? Yeah. 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 And the sound. Yeah. People don't yeah. remember that now. Like, you know, dial up to broadband. That was one. Like the internet going from blogs to like centralized platforms. That was another. YouTube itself was like, you know, it mimics the dynamics of like the entire history of this stuff, which is really fascinating. But like, I, I can't, I mean, like, what was that? What'd you spend your first paycheck on? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose, I suppose, I mean, we moved out, like we moved out of our parents' house pretty quickly once we started uh, getting that YouTube check. Uh, moved into like a house that we shared with with another uh, roommate. Um, I'd say I'd say that was that was probably that. You know, fortunately, <laughs> I was. We started when I was seventeen, fresh out of high school. I was going Holy to. Shit. I went to community college, so I wasn't racking up debt. Um, so yeah, so I, I kept I, I kept the expenditures pretty low because I was I was pretty convinced that uh, it wouldn't last. Um, I mean, we, we kind of saw, we saw some of the first successes of YouTube people, um, first, uh, leaving the platform to pursue traditional media, um, and then returning to, uh, an audience that had, uh, left, um, which was really scary. Cause it's like, yeah, like the idea of like being on a television show or like making a television show was like the dream for every person that was, you know, doing YouTube for the first few years. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of became like more clear, like, oh no, like maybe it's more valuable to own and control our content on YouTube. And, and maybe, maybe the audience is stronger here or won't go over mm -hmm. to um, traditional. Not to say that it that hasn't worked for other people, but there's certainly in the beginning it was it was pretty clear that uh, audiences weren't 
like they would just forget about you. Like the moment you stopped uploading, mm-hmm. they just would like move on. And it was frightening. That's not the case anymore. It seems like people, YouTubers have been able to take breaks now and the algorithm will still help them come back. Mm-hmm. But back then it was it was like scary. Like you miss a month of uploading and, and you're done. <laughs> how many videos were you how many videos were you uploading at the time? Like early days? Well, we were doing like, one a week, which we thought was a lot. That's insane. Like I make a weekly podcast now, it's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I mean, yeah, it's it's a lot. Like when you're when you're creating like, you know, or trying to create what you think is original content, like every every you know moment spent not creating was spent worrying that the next week we wouldn't have content. Wow. Um and you know, when we started to think of of Smosh as more of like a brand and and started to think like, okay, can we bring in other people to help us with this process? That's when, you know, the worry became less. It was like, oh no, we can actually like build a team that can help us focus on the things that that really matter. Now, going back to the like traditional media part of this, because I think that is a really interesting part of like these channels that have uh, survived for so long. And for those who are listening on the podcast, you can't see that like directly behind Ian is a movie poster. <laughs> uh, now, y'all did some some dives into the kind of traditional media thing and you don't have to get too far into it. But do you feel like those benefited you as creators or mm-hmm. if your audience? I just think it's so fucking cool. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think like it was... <laughs> It was just a really cool opportunity. Um, I don't know if it benefited us. I don't know if it hurt us. Um, I mean, it just, the opportunity presented itself and it's kind of like, when is this ever going to be possible ever again? That somebody's going to be like, hey, let's make a movie. You know, um, it was a it was a wild experience. Like it was, I thought it was cool. Um, you know, think what you may about the actual content of the movie. <laughs> I know, I know, some of it hasn't aged quite well, um, but it was it was just a fucking cool experience. Like you know, you're you, we're used to having this like small team of people that we shoot videos with, and then you you know you enter a, a movie set, and there's like fifty people working, and you're like, oh wow, you got that, and you got like there's like 50 extras like waiting over here and we got like a got like a food truck that's doing catering for everyone and I got my little my little trailer which you know was from like the 70s and kind of smelled like old vomit but uh it's still it was still cool to have to you know have have like a trailer I guess like it was it was just a cool experience like I think I think for us is like the the benefit to having a a following um is to leverage that to, um, you know, maybe try to live out some dreams. You know, I think I think that's I think that's the important thing. You want to make the most of the time that you have this influence. That to me has been like that. That to me has been like the second time that you've brought something. I think a lot of content creators share, which is that there's a timer. There's a perceived time that this is going to work, and then after that something's going to happen where it doesn't. And mm-hmm. you would have thought like that would have just been like, 
you know, oh, well, we're just discovering YouTube and, and now we find there is longevity, but there that is a persistent fear. I mean, that's something that keeps me awake every day and I'm in like pennies to dollar level. And it's it's all the way up, the very biggest streamers and, and then all the way down the bottom. I mean, what, do you think that there's ever going to be, a, a, I guess, a, a reliable answer to how long this lasts or is it still something that we're just kind of finding out? I mean, I think it's all related to growth. So, you know, if, if we had just continued to create what we were creating at the beginning, then absolutely, like, it would have just died off. Um, I think, you know, the, the key is to just not get complacent, always be willing to grow and learn um, and change what you're, what you're doing. Um, and I think that's the thing that's, that's kind of kept us going. Um, and it hasn't always been, you know, hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been a, a, an overwhelming success. Um, but you just have to keep trying. Because um, going back on what worked in the past um, doesn't always pay dividends. I do have a, a question to that effect, which is like, what was it like the first time you had to think about like the first time you decided to change the content on your channel like what was that moment like the well the first time the first time it kind of felt like our hand was forced because uh so we made this pokemon music theme theme song music video thing um and it became the most viewed video of all time on youtube (laughs) and at 24 million views it got removed for copyright um and uh and so that was kind of like a wake up call of like, oh, we should maybe be making original content. Um, and we both, you know, thought we could make some comedy videos. And so we started doing our own sort of like original comedy. Uh, and that's what kind of like took us to the next step. You know, the first wave of, of you know, viral videos on YouTube was, was lip syncs. Um, like, I don't know if you remember, like the, the Backstreet Boys kids, I don't know. I I think it was called, I think it was called like, I'm sorry, not the Backstreet Boys. It was not the Backstreet Boys. It was like, it was like, I want to say it was called like, like Chinese Backstreet Boys or something like that. And it was these guys that were just singing Backstreet Boys and it like went viral (laughs) for the time. It was like us. It was like. It wasn't a lip sync, but it, like evolution of dance. Mm-hmm. It was these. It was these things that were just like using music. The new manuma um, stuff. The yeah, new manuma. Boys you know what's is what I found? The backdorm boys, active from 2005 to now. <laughs> First, I saw. I heard um, a song off of Millennium the other day out in public. Still slaps. Secondly, it's funny <laughs> that uh, like TikTok is like the reason TikTok works now is because it's all licensed music. Like we're we're mm-hmm. back to lip syncing, except you can just keep yeah. it on your page now. Yeah, so that's really that's really fascinating. Where it's automatically attributed, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I mean TikTok worked out a, a, a deal with all of the major labels, which is the only reason yeah. you can, like do yeah. like use that music, which is like what Twitch seems to be moving toward. I used to be a Twitch reporter, and this is like a, a matter of some debate, shall we say? Mm. Um, but it's it's really interesting because copyright is the only law that the internet really respects, and I think it's I think it's it's funny <laughs> that like back then like that was. That was there were all these issues were already there from the beginning. Yeah, I mean there was there was a lawsuit. There was a lawsuit that Viacom had against YouTube back in the day that almost destroyed them. Mm-hmm. 
It's like um, the English Premier League and like, <laughs> and Viacom. Yeah, because it was yeah, because the like soccer was mad that there were their videos were on YouTube. Yeah, and people were watching too much South Park. Yeah, like people <laughs> were just uploading South Park clips and like uh, like Daily Show clips. That's so, so funny. Um, I mean, gaming culture as a whole on YouTube with Machinima rose up from concerns mm-hmm. regarding copyright. So, yeah. like it's it's been both the antagonist and has also shaped. But and, and like you just said, has, has shaped. Where content has gone, I think it's super interesting. And now those brands upload full episodes, yeah, to YouTube <laughs> as promotion. It's because that's where the people are, right? Like we've we've like, it's like um, I think an analog is like music piracy. They just gave up. You know what I mean? It was like not, it wasn't useful to like sue people for millions of dollars, and also they ran out of money doing that because lawsuits are expensive. But it's like the RAAA. I mean, but like it's like you know, like the the. The people, the executives gave up and they were like, fuck it, we'll just use Spotify's our thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, like musicians don't get paid. Musicians are equally fucked, but like, yeah, it's worked out for the people who own the things. Oh, yeah. There, I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely like backdoor deals that the record labels have made with Spotify. Have you, and- have you seen any backdoor deals at YouTube? Or front door deals or, or side door deals. deals. I'm just, I'm curious. Any I'm just, well, I mean, like, I, mean I think it was, I think it was weird that like, you, uh, Harry, you mentioned, you mentioned YouTube paying Machinima or something. You said they had some kind yeah. of like big thing. I mean, I wouldn't say that was a backdoor deal, but there was a time when you couldn't make money on YouTube unless you were signed with an MCN. I don't think that was like some evil plan. It was just like literally, there was, there was just too many people that wanted to be monetized, obviously, and that was the <laughs> only way to like funnel it was like well, uh, sign with mcn they'll take care of the paperwork blah 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 it's just too bad that some of those mcns uh did some bad things yeah there was that you know I that mean, very well <laughs> this is much later in in youtube history but like when college humor moved over to facebook facebook conflated their viewership by up to 900 percent and had to then participate in a 40 million dollar payout lawsuit like so the like the backdoor deals are I always see as like part of the growth of the internet. Like everybody's trying to we don't no one's looking back that far in the articles mm-hmm. that I'm reading. Everyone's like, no, Facebook now, no, Twitter now. And everyone's like, Well, thank God we have YouTube. Thank God everybody did all that hard work back right. then. Yeah. Facebook creating an alternate reality that that detrimentally affects our own. Oh, <laughs> Now, when, like, Instagram. when MCNs blew up and all of that, and it was just kind yeah. of like, that was what you do. It's interesting because, like, that entire culture has pretty much dissipated now. Um, mm-hmm. And what was that kind of, like, wave like for Smosh and deciding whether y'all, like, go under somebody or kind of try and skirt it after doing it yourself for a while? I think that we we needed more support than an MCN was going to offer us. We needed like real like background support both on our on our website and in our production. And MCNs just weren't equipped to do that. Um, they would sometimes sell people on the idea of that, but then the reality was just they just had too many creators under their wing and like like oh yeah we have like this sound stage, but it would be like impossible to book or you wouldn't there wouldn't be the resources mm-hmm. um so for us it was it was more of we wanted to find a partner um 
so it was it was more of an ownership thing than it was uh like taking a percentage of your of your ad revenue which is what all the other mcns did so like when we signed with with defy the whole reason for that was you know to have a closer relationship with uh, a company that has a lot more resources than us mm-hmm. and let them uh, have that vested interest yeah yeah so I'm, yeah i'm curious what that um that growing pains bit was like when did you realize you needed like actual support like when you re- when, when did it get too big for like you and anthony <laughs> and what was but, that like i think it got i mean it got too big for us way like super quick i think we just didn't acknowledge it Hmm. for for a while um we got we got hit up by this guy that then wound up being like our our business manager and he was the first one to make us think of like smosh as a brand and you know this is like 2006 around there 2007 like the word brand like (laughs) on youtube like didn't exist like it was like i don't know we're just like two guys making videos and he's like okay but do you want to do this in like 10 years which sounded insane um we were like yeah like this is fun he's like do you think you're gonna be still able to do it just like the two of you guys making the same stuff i was like yeah i I mean i i guess not like you know like this is this seems pretty uh unsustainable the the amount the amount that we were working at the rate that we were working and just like the overall like anxiety of like what are we making every single week um so he was the first person to like get us to think about growing smosh into a thing that was more than ourselves like bigger than ourselves out of curiosity did you have like a day job quote unquote at the time when you were first moving out and getting the channel up and running yeah, so I worked at I worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Hell yeah! I was I was the big mouse. Iconic. Yeah. Charles Entertainment Cheese. You were. Wait, hold on. Yep. You so couldn't you make that mouse, up. Or were you actually the mouse? I was or the both? mouse. Wow. Wait, what? What are you asking? <laughs> I was were you like, did you work for the mouse, or were you actually in the costume? I was the mouse. So now, the mouse is in the house. They don't have the same kind with of like policies Disneyland has, where you have to say like, oh, I'm friends with Cinderella or whatever. Like you, you, you get to say you were the mouse. Yeah. What was yeah. it like inside the mouse head? <laughs> sweaty. Now that's Very what this sweaty. is about. Like we're this and, interview and is about Chuck E. Cheese now. I have so I mean, many Chuck E. Cheese I, questions. I, look, I get it. Everyone does. <laughs> what do you want to know? I, I mean, I my question got incredible. answered. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. That's have it. you <laughs> ever been like attacked by a child while you yes. were the mouse? Yes. <laughs> kids loved. Kids loved trying to beat the shit out of Chuck E. Cheese. You, you were like, excuse me, I'm a, few, a famous yeah. YouTuber child. Uh, well, trust me, the, the moment the moment we got a single check um, for anything related to, to video making, I, I left. Did you tell them why? Did you go in and be like, sorry, I'm an internet I think, creator now? Uh, no. <laughs> I was just like, I, I think I just said like, I don't even know what I did. I was, I was, they, they. I feel like they cucked me so bad in that job. <laughs> they, they made you wear the mouse, dude. You got they, cucked. Like I, I was getting paid minimum wage, which at the time was uh, six dollars and seventy-five cents, and I got paid that for a year. And then the manager, who I could only describe as like, have you ever seen the Drew Carey show? Yeah. Um, no. So you know Mimi. Yeah. So oh, like boy. that. 
She was like Mimi. Um, and she was like, uh, well, it's been a year here. Um, we're going to give you a raise. I was like, okay, cool, cool. Because I think I've been doing a pretty good job as Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I was a very enthusiastic performer. Um, to $7. Hey, congrats. 75 extra cents. That's a, that's a lot of cheese. 25. 25, 25. Actually, Sorry. That was yes, 25, 25 cents. Raise. Right, right, right. Hey, it's money in the bank. Yeah. I mean, I, was, yeah. I can just see you leaving, just boot, like booting the, the Chuck E. Cheese. And I'll see you all later. I'm going to do the pictures. Hollywood. Just I'm out of here. The, the great you, thing is I, I knew like how to get into the, the Chucky room because they didn't leave it locked. And it what? was and it was like, so there's this room literally next to the bathroom that is unlocked. So kids would walk in there all the time and see this like creepy, like Chucky, like hanging. Um, <laughs> and they uh, called it the Chucky room. So it's just I mean, maybe I called room. it. Maybe I just called it that. I don't really know. All but, valid. But, but I knew Tuckatorium. I knew how to get in there, and I knew it was there. So like we needed to, we thought to use Chuck E. Cheese for a video once, and I just like walked in there and put it on. Oh my god! <laughs> not working there for a while. That was my that was my literal next question was like, have you ever done any like done a video with with yeah. Charles Entertainment Cheese or yeah. at a location? Yeah, unsanctioned. Yes. You have any crazy ball pit stories? Because Sage is really... I'm I'm already looking for it as (laughs) we speak. we talk about DashCon a lot. We love to talk about ball pits here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. DashCon. Who could forgive? Never. Uh, The ball pit. Our show is built foundationally upon... Dash con. <laughs> we, can, we can always add another pillar to be. It's a load bearing con. It's a load bearing con. It's it true. is. Well, if I had one. known that my question would go this way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not incredible. Uh, it was all a part of our childhood. So, you know. Cucked yeah. you, know you were part of our childhood in many ways, Ian. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question now. Everyone here is too scared to ask. Um, rebrand Chuck E. Cheese. What are your thoughts? Wait, what? The new anime. What? Pixar There's an anime Chuck- 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 No, that's just that's just me spitballing. But it's like are you talking about are you talking about like Chuck- the rebrand they did like eight years ago? It's all new to me, man. <laughs> I have kids, time moves to the flat circle. I, I won't ever let him get near the mouse. So Wow, you just got called out on not being even up on your Chuck E. Cheese news, dude. <laughs> and he has kids. He should know this. I, oh, wait, is he the mutant one now with like the, the stick no, legs and the he, extra He looks ears? like a Pixar character. And yes. I'm trying to see how you feel about that. Yes, he, he just, just has Bob, like, Boss Baby. <laughs> yeah, he wait, basically he... like they slimmed him down because they didn't want to promote like obesity to children. Right? He's a rat. <laughs> Their one job is to Wait, eat all the He's food. a mouse, Rowan. He's a hold he's a on, mouse. hold on. They this is very on. important. This, this is something we just. <laughs> I just have to make that very clear, Rowan. I'm so sorry, Ian. <laughs> they they stream on Twitch too. There's a really cursed clip of Chuck E. Cheese saying "poggers." Oh, oh no. if yes. I'm not mistaken, God. it like hurts to watch. Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> oh, all right, uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to uh, do a whole episode on Chuck E. Cheese's uh, entrance to Twitch. Mm. Uh, I'm bored looking up Chuck E. Cheese crimes. I'm do so it. sorry, I, I did now. this. No, it's. Great. I actually have an, a legitimate adult question. I love okay. that is not Chuck E. Cheese related. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> As content creation has become increasingly easy, everyone is a ring light now. We have cell phones. Did that make it like what was that like for you guys having make been making content since it was very much not as easy as having a phone at all times? I, I think it's I think it's cool. I think, you know, the the barrier of entry is so much lower now. 
like it, I mean, the barrier of entry was 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 super low when we when we started YouTube. It was like, oh, now anybody can create um, like a sketch. But now it's like that's like super true. Like that's why you see so many fucking funny people on on TikTok because you've lowered the barrier of entry to must have a phone and have internet access. And that's, I mean, that's that's most most people in in America. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's so so many people that are way funnier than us. Uh, and I hope our audience doesn't find them and just stays with us. Um, <laughs> I mean, you could, but, you're big enough now that you could acquire the funny people. It's true. Well, and I, yeah. I, I found out what's really interesting is that there is almost I think, an he's, I think he's been doing it. I'm just, I'm just going to say, I think he's been doing a pretty good job. Hey, say, do you work for Smosh Games? everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone, I'm just going to say, I think he's acquired some pretty good people. <laughs> I think, I think the thing is like TikTok, TikTok sells, TikTok sells the fantasy of, becoming famous and becoming a successful influencer. The issue is, you know, you can become famous to a very specific segment of people for a specific amount of time, but can you monetize that? Yeah. Do you think it's harder to monetize or stay monetized? It seems that way with the saturation of free content, just everywhere. Yeah, I, I think it, I think that's that's the interesting like path we're going down now is like how do you how do you uh, acquire an audience but then also uh, keep them interested enough to to stick around and and become invested in in you know your your you know journey um, and I think yeah that's that's what that's what keeps us going it's just like we see so much we see so much good stuff out there. And it should never be viewed as competition because it, we're all doing different things. Um, and I th- yeah, I think that's I think that's the most important part is to just like realize like yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there, but there's there's still a place for everyone to uh, thrive. The question is with like people that are making it big on TikTok. You know, if you make one video that gets, you know. 10 million views does that mean you should drop everything and go full-time into tiktok i don't know, I don't know. and yeah. who are you making money for right. we're so beholden to our platforms right now because there yeah. there is that point where the people who make the 10 million view one video that mm-hmm. doesn't make money for you you're just content that the platform can yeah. monetize. right because most of the time that's even when you get invited especially on tiktok to like the creator fund or things of the sort you're not even in it usually at your first viral video and you can start monetizing after that. Yeah. I also think, I think, I think people understand internet fame now in a way that they really did not even like four or five years ago. Like, (laughs) I think like, for example, the idea that every, every platform needs to be, if you're creating something on a platform that you should get paid for it, that's new. You know what I mean? Like people understand this now. I think, you know, like with TikTok, it's interesting because you see, like, I I think it's like, it is really like YouTube, the like 2.0, uh, in that, like, people, like, you know, people leave their jobs to do TikToking full time, but it's like there are only very few of those people, and I think they understand like when they hit the point where it's like, okay, I've had a bunch of videos do really well, like I should I can start quit my job at Chuck I can quit my job and do yeah. this, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I wish there was I wish there was more of a path to like making a living on on TikTok than like there is on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think YouTube made so many people's careers. Um, and I mean, they, they didn't necessarily, I mean, when they started the, the, um, you know, 
ad revenue share. Like they didn't necessarily have to do that. Like that was that was pretty like revolutionary when they decided when they decided to start doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I gotta, I mean, I gotta give props to to YouTube for starting that wave because I think a lot of people, I mean, you look at all the the stupid things people say on television, <laughs> and the and you know reality television, people will do things just for the illusion of fame or like you know. They just want to be on the screen, so that's enough payment for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty great that there's some platforms that are allowing people to to you know also make it their living potentially. So on that note, <laughs> uh, I was going to ask what it's like to be famous, but like I'm I'm actually curious more like if like if this like if it What's gets it annoying like, to like, be the man in the mouse. But you know what I mean, like just like I don't know, like when was the first time it was like annoying? Like a fan came up to you and it was like a. Sh- a shock like what was that like i don't know was that weird when people started recognize you recognizing you from your youtube videos yeah it was very weird <laughs> it was <laughs> it was very weird um we've had some we've had some like good good interactions and then and then some you know off-putting interactions like uh you know like we would go to we anthony and i went to six flags and there was this kid that like stopped dead in his tracks like like eyes like size of the moon um did i just quote a panic of the disco right there just, yeah you um, did yeah you, you got did. this wow. you got it you got it but uh what a beautiful reference. he just like pointed at us and started screaming oh, and no. like and like everybody like you know packed six flags so like everybody like stopped and was like looking at us child like, pointing at two men screaming oh, no. yeah and he's like oh my god oh my god you're smashing my god and he like wasn't like coming over to like shake our hand or anything he was just like standing 10 feet away from us screaming and pointing at us and then it was just like awkward did you run I think I would have ran. No, I feel like if you run, like, then you're two dudes a oh, child pointed at so and screamed. <laughs> that's very true. That's when you um, pull out the uh, the, the decoy just, uh, Chuck E. Cheese outfit. You just throw it on real quick and just scamper away on a hole. Pocket yeah. sand. Um, no, I mean, like, it's like the interactions are, are usually like harmless and they're fine. But like, there's some people that like, I don't know, they, they take it too far or... You know, this whole sort I mean, now there's this discussion over like parasocial relationships, um, mm-hmm. which didn't exist at that time. It was just like, I don't know, that person watches my videos and yeah. For some reason they're really excited to see me. And now we're starting to realize, like, oh, maybe this maybe we don't have like the same like you think you know me very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the real this is real life me and, and I don't know you. I would love um, to get into that a little bit more on the parasocial relationships because you've lived your entire adult life on the internet. So mm. if there are these people that have been watching you for potentially 16 years um, consistently, there are all there's an entire pretty much like generation of like teens and young adults now that grew up with you that might feel like they know you. Is there a way that you have found to navigate that? Um... Has it That's been hard tough. having I mean, like personal relationships and having things that like information that people feel entitled to? Mm. Yeah, the relationship thing was something was something that was that was kind of difficult to navigate at first. It was also because um, 
you know, at the beginning, Anthony and I were both um, cute little emo boys. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is why you just quoted Panic at the Disco song. Right. Yeah, I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you no longer so, an emo boy? I just want to confirm. Oh, that's important. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a post-emo. Okay. All right. Oh, so copy that. That's Go on. the headline. Yeah. Shit. As, a, like, as an emo boy, I, I, wasn't like, even... I can help cover like, our hair goes up, but the yeah. emo stays down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's always here. It, yeah. So anyways. I, and, <laughs> um, but but yeah, people people oftentimes uh, would ship us and mm-hmm. uh, wrote a lot of fan fiction. Some of it more explicit than others. And like I I was always like pretty entertained by that, and I and I never discouraged people from writing fan fiction. I think you know any way that that people want to c- express themselves creatively, like I'm all for it. Um, the issue is like when it passes into like the real world um, and when, you know, both him and I had girlfriends and then some people would like go after our girlfriends and say like, y- you're just like denying them each other. And like, you oh. know that they are like meant for each other. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow it down there. Um, no. Um, so yeah, I mean like, one time I, I kind of like wrote out this post that was like, hey, like, we love our girlfriends. Anthony and I, you know, we're great friends, but we're never going to get married. So would appreciate it if you stop, you know, insisting that we will be. Um, and then I think that was that was enough. And yeah, I think that that kind of also like, you know, gave, you know, a lot of our viewers that had a little more restraint uh, kind of like gave them the tools to respond to those people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. Teaching not, the never, community how to yeah. teach each other. Yeah, because your community can self police if you give them r- the right tools. It's kind of like I don't know, like you guys have moderators for for Twitch. You know, you you have people that that are you know responsible and or people that at least understand the rules and they can kind of self police themselves. You know, once you set the once you set the rules, like I'm sure in the chat, you tell them, "Hey, don't be racist and don't do this," and they're just like, "Okay, cool, got it." I, I, uh, <laughs> in a world where it, where that works, hey, uh, everyone watching this, just don't be racist. Hey, everyone, just don't do it. Uh, <laughs> I do want to touch hammers. on the kind of like overall thing we're looking at, which is that kind of like spanning of time. If you could break Smosh down into like iterations or phases what do those look like to you over the past 15 16 years yeah so i think like the first phase was like the uh lip sync uh theme song videos which is like the first year or less and then uh we're doing like sketches just me and him and then we started uh adding like a team like a camera guy and then later on a, a writer and an editor and then obviously when we started bringing in other talent which was the which was the goal um so that was that was a big one obviously smosh games was was a big was a big uh turning point for us as well um then uh, you know partnering with defy and then defy shutting down and then getting acquired by mythical um yeah, I mean, they're all like these huge moments um, in Smosh history. Um, yeah, 
I think I'm, those most of those you can see from the outside. There's a few of those where it's like, oh, with the information, you'd be able to kind of pinpoint where a few of them are. But some of those, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, like for you, when we partnered up with, I mean, it's so funny. Like when I see I see comments that are like, oh, like Smosh was good until they sold out to Defy in in 2015. It's like, bro, we were working with Defy like four years before that. Like, so everyone has like. Everyone has like a different perception of like what they think was happening and like when we did or didn't sell out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, eh, whatever. Like you can, I'm. There, there's no point in like arguing this kind of stuff. Like you can believe whatever you want to believe, and I'm just gonna keep making videos and trying to enjoy my life. Yeah. What does it feel like to have made videos for this long? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not ever something that I had intended. Um, I was not going to community college, nor did I have any dreams of being a filmmaker or a writer or an actor or an editor or anything like that. I mean, Ian, there was what no did you su- want to be when you grew up? I had no fucking clue, Rowan. <laughs> I had zero clue. I was going to community college. I mean, okay, there's been a lot no of debt. Great, great TV set in community colleges, for one thing. Oh, I mean, secondly. <laughs> The people who know what they want to be when they grow up and actually do that are psychopaths. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm I, just here for the fact that the autobiography leers on the path of weed from mouse to man, uh, the Ian Kikok story. <laughs> Ian, you take that title and run. From That's Harry's gift man. to you. <laughs> they didn't write it to you. They didn't write it to you in there, did they? Like, there wasn't no. like a little guy. But, I, but I'm imagining me, the cover Chuck of that. Excuse me, Chuck Mouse. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Rowan's been paying attention. Rowan, take um, I'm imagining that book cover, like an Animorphs cover, like, <laughs> like morphing from the Chuck E. Cheese, like just to this like weird abomination than to just like me, you know. If there's anything yeah. that can bring that original that? illustrator out of retirement, it's it's this singular purpose. It is. Yeah. The nothing the is very important. Um, are there any channels in particular that you have looked up to over that time that have grown in that or that kind of any of those iterations might have been inspired by? Hmm. I mean, we were like, we we were always like for, for the longest time, like, you know, Smosh and like Nigahiga. Um, we were, we were kind of like the sketch like mainstays on YouTube and I always really admired um, Ryan Higa's ability to just like constantly come out with like original sketch comedy um, I mean there were yeah there was plenty of other channels that that I that I admired what they did I mean gotta give props to to Philip DeFranco for you know back back when I first saw his channel his channel was called Sexy Phil yeah um, <laughs> and he time. And I and I believe he was supposed to quit YouTube in like 2007. So it's interesting that that he's that he's decided to to stay on this long. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean like it's it's so interesting because like, admittedly, I I didn't I didn't really watch a lot of Phil's stuff back in the day, but I find myself watching his videos like so often now, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just funny that you know after knowing his existence for like 15 years <laughs> i'm just now watching his videos <laughs> yeah, Phil, you uh, landed in the target demographic finally i guess how so. did you become smosh instead of just like sexy ian <laughs> yeah well that was that was 
big props to Anthony for uh, it was it was just like a it was a uh, inside joke between our friends that we that we made up in high school, and then Anthony made this website called Smosh.com. And when we decided to start making videos, it was like, well, we can just take this name that we've already created, or we could do what every person did in 2005, which was like take the two people's names and add the word productions. Thank <laughs> fucking God we didn't do that. Oh man. That would have been so interesting. You could have been stuck being the. Would it have been Ian Anthony? Would you have combined? It, it? has to be a mashup, Anthony. right? Ian. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have. It would have just been like, yeah, it's Ian so and Anthony now. Productions. It's, it's a good Anthony? thing that didn't happen. <laughs> like precursor to yeah. the iPhone. God, You're that would have been. I mean, um, our ship name was Ian e- e- Anthony. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. That's not even a good ship name. I don't like and, that. They could have. They could have done better. <laughs> Fans do better. Do better. That is that very ship sh- It is such a, a funny thing because like the word smosh is so iconic now, or as my mom called it for the first uh, few months I worked there, mosh. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom was like, "Are you at, are you at mosh today? Are you doing Aww. mosh?" It was Aww, very, very not mom. Museum of Science and History. Hi. <laughs> mm. What do you? So I'm curious. Okay, so I just to to go back to like creating things on YouTube. Like YouTube today is very different than it used to be. What would you, I mean, like, I, this is a pretty standard question, but like, what would you say to somebody who like wants to make a career on YouTube today and they're just getting started? Is the answer just don't? Because if it is, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Put your time in as the mouse first. I think it's, I think it's very possible to, to start a YouTube channel today and become successful. Um, it just like, it just takes that certain thing. Like, I don't know what it is. But I come across channels I've never seen before that started, you know, maybe last year or maybe they've been doing something for three years and they just had a video like randomly pop off. Like that's that's a lot of the channels I wind up watching are just these like, like I just got into this like urban planning channel that like talks about like city design. And I'm like, what? How did I even get here? Hold on, what is the name of that channel? I love I'm that. I'm not that kidding you. Delightful. I just, I, on, before this started, I watched a city planning video about Gary, Indiana called City Beautiful. And I swear to God, if we were on the same yep. channel, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, that's one of the channels. <laughs> yeah. That's your niche, huh? That's yes. where YouTube takes you? Right now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's so many like deep niches. Like, I'm currently in um, like a theme park history niche. Oh, you watch, like, are you watching Defunct Land? Yeah. I'm, I, so I just got out of that plan, two months ago. And then it's Bright Sun Films, and it's like expanding into all of those ones surrounding it when you run out of Defunct Land videos. Mm. Uh, but once you watch a couple, it's a whole niche, come to find out. Oh, yeah. Find yourself bringing <laughs> up the history of uh, Universal's Jurassic Park-themed area. Yeah, and, then, and the Florida resorts during brunch with your parents. Exactly. Um, <laughs> then you fall out of that, that rabbit hole. I'm just running around asking anybody who will listen to talk about Epcot with me. That's the main mm. That's it. I'm here for you. Let's go. All right, we'll go after this. We're we're diving into Epcot, but oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> it's bananas. The history of Epcot's bananas. But also Celebration Florida. Mm-hmm. Look that up. I'm just happy that I now oh. know that wide city lanes aren't always an advantage when it comes to city planning, especially <laughs> in the Rust Belt. That's right. <laughs> did you watch the video? Did you watch the video about Strodes? Not yet. I'm Lots not screwing that down. Yeah, uh, well, it's not quite a street. It's not quite a road. It's just like a very dangerous like place for pedestrians. Wow. Strode? Yeah. That sounds We're, like something that didn't like a bad, need a name. It's a bad ship name. Probably not. 
<laughs> it is like a pet ship name. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. So in 16 years now, just about crossing mm. 16 years on YouTube, has there ever been a time that you actually thought about leaving? No. Wow. This is, this is, this is me. This is my life. <laughs> you sound, uh... I'm forever, I'm forever chained to hey, this, Are you okay? to this world. And you need mm-hmm. a hug, bud? And there is no escape, ever. I mean, it could be Ian, worse. blink twice if you Listen, need help. <laughs> you've, can't I'm a blink. big metaphor man. You've taken off the, the stinky view blinding helmet once. If you ever need to, you can put YouTube in the in the Chuck E. Cheese closet. And bring it to, All if you ever need to again, people find the like husk of his Ian skin mm. in the bathroom. Yeah, it's the Ian room. Everyone's labor is worth every, an hour of everyone's time is worth more than seven dollars. Like I just need, we just need to yeah, acknowledge yeah, yeah, it, right? Yeah. Like Love yes, it. yeah. That's like one one and a half lattes in New York. I mean, like, I danced, on. I danced in that outfit. Wow. I danced my butt off and kids kicked me in the shin all the time. I think it was worth <laughs> a little bit more than $7 after working there for a year, but oh, that's yeah, just yeah. me. But $50 I did. $50 minimum quit. wage for all kids in Chuck E. Cheese costumes. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's funny that you say you just never thought about, but it's it like. I no, just, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm very much like, I just kind of like go along with things. And it just, <laughs> and it just so happened that like this thing that I went along with, like happened to like, you know, do good um because i probably would have just like gone along with it either way (laughs) bigger words than good just for the record we could even say great okay (laughs) sure yeah um but i think you know um being being chuck e cheese had it had its joys you know aside from the kids that kick the shit out of you you also brought joy to kids and you know there's there's nothing like like you know seeing a kid meet his hero and that hero is you the giant mouse but i i sense i sense a common thread here i know i'm a bad person after you said that based on my internal reaction it's very sweet so i mean we all jokingly put daddy in front of big corporations like daddy google yeah daddy amazon or daddy twitch because we are all very beholden and aware of how the platform controls what we create. Mm-hmm. Do you like what was it like interacting with YouTube before it became Daddy YouTube? How much control did it try to they, I guess, put over your content? Do you feel like you have just a completely different view being there from the ground up? Yeah, I think we always kind of enjoyed a certain level of access and privilege on on the website <laughs> than some other people did. Um because we never, we never really did them wrong. We always kind of played by the rules, um, so they always, they always treated us uh, nicely. Um, so I'm probably not, I'm probably not the best person to talk to because I know uh, about about that. Because I know, like, you know, we ne- we never, we never tried to like fuck things up because we didn't want to fuck up a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> so- you knew what you had. You posted with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think also, like, you know, when the whole adpocalypse thing happened and, like, you know, everyone freaked out, it was kind of just, like, okay for us because we were already policing our own content in a way that was, like, okay, we don't really want to go anywhere beyond, like, PG-13 with our content. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and we don't want to do anything that's going to seem like too controversial. So I think, I think YouTube always appreciated that because there were all, there were then on the flip side, people that were always trying to push the boundaries. Um, and you'll find that whenever somebody pushes the boundaries of what is okay on YouTube or what is ex exploitative on YouTube, um, YouTube will then clamp down on that. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's like, you know, videos criticizing children or, uh, wow, first you thing know, that came to mind. <laughs> well, like that. Well, the first thing that came to mind is all that, uh, weird Anna and Elsa sick. stuff that was a couple years ago. That I, weird YouTube that kids was, exploit. That shit was so weird. And Which one? The, the, like, the weird YouTube kids videos that were, like, CGI and they were very disturbing. It was, like, Elsa and Spider-Man. Oh, Elsa and Anna get a divorce yes. and Spider-Man's That, was, that and, shit like... was genuinely terrifying. I, so it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about, like... So you, in, like, 2020, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now, but in 2020, you guys started a Twitch channel. Why is that? I think that there's... You know, we'd never been on that platform. And I think that every platform has um, a different um, different form of content and a different way to express ourselves. Um, and we've never had that kind of format before of like live interaction. I love it. I, I mean, like, you know, sometimes Sage may attest to this. Sometimes I get in trouble a little bit because, you know, <laughs> My interaction with with chat can can go over can go overboard a few times, but I love it. I, I love I love just like being able to just like talk shit back to back to people live. I think that's <laughs> that's so much fun. Like I, I mean, like what's that? It's satisfying. Oh, it's very satisfying. And I mean, like I think I think I also like I invite a certain amount of criticism upon myself, which I find <laughs> fun. It's just like. It's banter because I know, like, okay, you're on the other side of the screen. Like, you can't, you can't hurt me. Let's just talk some shit. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm, so I, what's up? Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's 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 funny. This is a prelude to like a, a sort of larger question, which is about like Smosh as a brand and where you, like, where do you you you've conquered a lot of a lot of horizons. You know what I mean? Like you like huge on YouTube, huge on like other social media platforms, huge on Twitch. Like what? Like, what's next? Like, where do you go? And how do you think about expanding the Smosh verse? I think for us, it's like just just finding other people um, that can be a part of this ride. Um, I know that like, I don't have like, I don't have all the answers. And um, I like just looking at like the people that you see coming up on TikTok, you're like, okay. You're super talented. Uh, how can we bring? How can we bring you in and and you know, blow you up w alongside us? Um, I think I think that's I think that's where like Smosh's like value is, and that's where it's like so exciting. Where you know we find people and give them like an opportunity to to like reach a, a bigger audience, and at the same time, they make our content better. Um, just by bringing in their their points of view on everything, because I'm just like a I'm I'm from the suburbs. Like I only have a very <laughs> a very limited uh, worldview, um, and you could see that in our in our early content. Like we were both like kids from the suburbs, um, and you see that reflected in, in the kind of comedy we were making at the time. Um, 
And I think the only way that you get past that and the only way that you improve your comedy is by improving your point of view. And sometimes the best way to do that is to bring in other people from, from other places in the world. So a, a related question is like, now that you're sort of an elder statesman of content, like what does that feel like? Yeah, it's it's weird, man. Like it's it's so it's so crazy. Like I, I'll meet people and they'll be like, you know, they're they're creators now. And they'll be like, yeah, like the first video I watched on YouTube was your Pokemon video or something like that. Or or um uh a friend of mine who's who's a YouTuber sent me this old photo um he has of him wearing a Smosh shirt when he was like a kid. And it's like, and now we're um, like peers in the space. Uh, I, I think it's cool. I think it's uh, it's it's pretty wild to be, you know, to have having been at the beginning of it and just kind of see it transform and become this thing that people are now able to make, you know, careers out of, and you know, be super creative in ways that you would never be able to on television or movies unless you were um you know you had a, a you know a famous dad right yeah <laughs> that's got to be so interesting seeing the people who like grew up with you as a, a stranger on the internet that know you now i have i have my one own little piece of it is that i was i was a child actor so i was always at like events and shit like that um but i loved youtube i didn't really care about actors and things of the sort because that was kind of like a normal thing that you got used to and i remember i must have been 14 or 15 max and I saw Rhett and Link at an event once and I like poked my mom and I was like it's Rhett and Link from YouTube and she, was, she had no idea what I was talking about she's like go take a picture and I was like please and I was mortified I was like please mother do not make me take a photo with them I am begging you not to and she like shoved me over so somewhere there's a photo of like 14 or 15 year old me like so embarrassed standing in a photo with Rhett and Link and, and you're like at, at like their belly button height. Exactly. <laughs> and it's one of those things that like I hadn't thought about in so long. And like since working here and since Rhett and Link being uh, all of our content dads. Um, yeah. It's this thing where I'm just like, God, that's, that's one of those situations where like there's no other industry in which that kind of stuff necessarily happens. Um, it, it's, it's close adjacent to regular entertainment, but very much its own experience and community. Yeah, it's 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 also funny because I feel like we're all figuring this out in real time with each other. Like the idea that you could like make this like make making videos online into a career that is, you know, not only respected, but really loved by a lot of people. And the fact that like, you know, like audiences have also had to like grow up with you. Right. Like, you know, they they're they're they started as kids and now they're like, you know, 16 years later, we're all sort of here. Uh, it's just I, I think it's I think it's fascinating that like, you know, you were at the beginning. You got to be there. You got to see it as it happened, like this world-changing event. Yeah. Um, and you got to help shape the platform, too, which is really fascinating because, like, it does, like, I don't know. I, we are all on, like, now five websites, and, the, you know, everyone's on the same. Like, it's just funny that, like, things turned out this way. I don't know. Do you have any, like, philosophical thoughts about the nature of content and or the internet? I mean, I think, I think uh, you highlighted a, a really, like, sad point that I think about a lot, too, which is, like, Oh yeah, we we did used to go to like single interest like web pages. Yes. Or it's like, oh, I'm into cars, so I will go to this car uh website. 
that mostly no longer exists. Like those, those sort of like blogs have been, you know, acquired by hedge funds or whatever. And then they just turn into um, those sort of like, I don't know if you look at like GameSpot, um, where they just become, they just turn into, what do you call this? Like a blog farm. Um, very bad. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see that it's all now just funneled down into social media basically mm-hmm. um it's weird it's so it's, weird it's, it's real weird uh at the beginning of quarantine my, my friends and i went insane and like everyone else um and in between like cultivating leaks or whatever uh in jars uh we we made a blog and it was like on a blog spot and it was just like we got a bunch of people to write for us and it was really nice because it was like oh shit we're like fine we're like we get to like because everyone is no one's doing anything anyway like we, like just come write come write a blog post and it turned into this like really weird and beautiful, I think, archive in the end because like no one's posted on it for like a year now. Yeah, and it's just there as this time capsule on the internet of that one weird year we all had. Um, <laughs> one turning into two, it's still going. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, it, it reminded me how much I miss sites like the All and like the Hairpin and like these these places that were like that had their own purposes. I don't know. I guess it's like I guess subreddits are kind of this, but it's not really like. I mean, it's it's anarchy, but it's a form of that for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just miss when people were like, <laughs> people had their I think own it, I think it I think it exists, like, but now it now it has to be monetized. Like, yeah. I think, and that's not their fault. Like, I think um, Defector is like a super awesome example of of you know what's now what is now like the reality of like blogging. It's like either. You know, those were all people that that came from Deadspin, which was an offshoot of Gawker, which was a successful like blogging site. Um, then they they these people went off to start Defector, which is like a subscription based like blogging platform, mm-hmm. um, and they're doing great. But you have yeah, to pay for it. You have to pay yeah, for it, and I think which is fine. Yeah, I mean, they're also like they they have some of the best most humane rules for like freelancers and stuff. It's like a really good place and it's also a worker co-op so like you're paying you're paying all of them money when you subscribe which is like you know this isn't an ad for them but i think it's a genuinely like it's a really good website and i like we don't have as many really good websites anymore Um, yeah yeah what do you think it's refreshing what do you think you'd be doing if you weren't a youtuber oh man (laughs) (sighs) it wouldn't be pretty probably still be in that mouse suit oh my god that is the most depressing thing i have heard in a long time and COVID is still raging folks but at 25 cent raises a year i know i would have been like set up the elders the elder states mouse yeah mousing i think uh i mean you know the hope was because i was only like a year i was only a year and a half into in the community college when i when i called it quits to to do youtube full-time i figured you know i figure i figure find something find something that interested me i think i think now like you know if uh if smosh gets gets nuked tomorrow um i'm sure i'll i'll wind up in some kind of you know digital media adjacent thing um i mean it's it's something that i that i um consume on my own free will it's something that i am enthusiastic about i don't think i would ever pursue a solo career like being a solo creator to me um 
I feel like I got a taste of that doing doing this work with Smosh, and I don't want it. I don't want to do that. <laughs> As yeah. a solo creator, I, I also don't blogger. want it. <laughs> can I, can day, I, it's like, get someone to work with me. <laughs> can I ask why? It's just so much work. Yeah, it's just, like I I think I think you know I'm pro- I probably just got soft um as, <laughs> as we've like built a team and I'm able to like focus on specific tasks when when our parent company Defy uh suddenly very suddenly went out of business without telling anyone um hmm. we were we were launched into this sort of like purgatory where <laughs> I had access to the YouTube channel um but we didn't um own the channel um and then so i was trying to like run things with the help of like a couple other people like in the in the interim of like getting picked up by somebody else and like i just got like a, a good taste of like what it's like to be a a youtuber in in at that time 2019 um and uh i was like oh god this is a lot of work yeah um <laughs> so yeah i'm good I'm good with that. I'd, I'd rather, I'd, I'd much rather, I, I think I'm a more collaborative person than I am like a uh, like self-starter type uh, person. I much prefer to to help somebody else uh, get big than just try to do everything on my own and me get big on my, on like, you know, be the forefront person. That's not going soft. That's just knowing your strengths and delegating. Yeah. That's just, that's just that strong dad energy. That's also I just like growing. That. That's just growing up too. It's like fuck, man. Like <laughs> aging is hard enough. Like I don't know. I find it's, it's like you you finally start to know what you want, and you finally have like the freedom to choose this kind of stuff. And you know, there's no path really. So why? I mean, why would you? Well, Look, working hard is great, but burning out is not. <laughs> hey, Asia, no, also I'm, checking in with you. Do you need a hug? I would like a check. Um, <laughs> if anyone would like to send me money, please feel free. Uh, <laughs> Checks over hugs. Why don't you, why don't you uh, sell that Jonas Brothers uh, autograph photo? Oh. I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll sell it as an oh. NFT. That's what I'll do. Because then then I can still have it and sell it again. Yeah. Yeah. I got I got the uh, the next best thing for you, Bijan. I'm gonna I'm gonna mail you a copy of Richard Leader's Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? The Path of Purposeful Aging. Oh, Sounds God. like you might need okay. a copy. I think uh, I, look, I I'm aging. No, I just, no, I just, I, you, I just Amazon aging book. <laughs> I just look. I, I, I think I, I what, but what you said Ian, like really sort of resonates because like I don't know, like I, as I get older, like I don't want to fucking do things on my own anymore. It's like it's there's a limit to also how much you can do by yourself. Like you really I, do need other people. Yeah, and I think the issue with with you know digital media and content creation on digital media is there's always something more you can do. Mm-hmm. Like it's you if you want to you could become very successful and run yourself into the ground in the in in the midst of like two months um i think uh yeah the the important i think also just like content creation like when you see people like doing it super well it's such like a young person's game like i think back to like those first years that we did smosh and like I think everything else in my life like suffered because of it. My relationships were terrible in that time. Like I like I lost touch with like most of my friends during during those like building years. Um, because we that's all we did was like do smosh. Cause we saw this thing and it was like this 
this could be gone tomorrow if we don't like focus on it. Um, so I think I've, I've definitely taken a much more uh, healthy approach. And it's something that I always advocated for, for other YouTubers I see that like, I'm like, okay, I know you're making some money, hire an editor. And they're like, oh, I just don't, I have like a very specific process. Like, I just don't think somebody's gonna get it. It's like, look, your content's not that special. Just hire an editor, <laughs> like hire an editor and like take back some of your life. Yeah. Um, Hiring an editor is the best thing we ever did on our podcast. Like, hands down, I'd pay millions of dollars to know. Well, don't tell your editor that. that. No, you should tell your editor <laughs> My that. My editor's tell them listening. You should tell them how much they're worth and then also feel bad about not paying them that. <laughs> and then tell them <sighs> to get the mouse suit back on. <laughs> Why is more than, I mean, look, I don't know. I think, I think I really do think people should get paid a lot more of course. than they do. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just there are some things that make your life easier, like editors. Editors are so good. Shouts to every editor. Yeah, yeah. that's a huge step. I'm glad you. to hear that you've yeah, got that that kind of like work life balance established because it, it, you were in uncharted waters, right? Like you know, you get hired for a job, and there's often defined hours, and those hours aren't always fair. But uh, you know, there is a boundary that you can expect most yeah. of the time um and with this that was on you who were you were what you said like 18 you know yeah when we got started yeah we were we we worked every day like sun up sun down i mean it wasn't always work it wasn't always productive but we were always on right and i think that's the way that i always explained it to people when they're like oh sounds like you got a pretty easy job I'm like, well, the difference between my job and your job as, let's just say, an accountant is uh, you clock in, you do your job, you clock out, and then you go do whatever you want with your life. The life of like a digital creator, there is no clocking in, clocking out. You're always on. There's always, you're always like one tweet away from, you know, disaster. Never um, tweet. <laughs> like it's, it's a... Uh, it's it's a never-ending thing. You ha you have to you have to take a lot of restraint to to sort of like mark like I will not be working in this time, and that's not the we didn't have that control when we started. It was our it was our business partner that was like, you guys should work weekdays and take the weekends off. We're like what? But like <laughs> what? Illinois, but also really? like you know like what? a. a, a person who's burned out on making stuff is not going to make good stuff like you can't it's you it, it there you're drawing from the same well you can't you have to give yourself time to rest okay definitely i guess what i'm wondering at this point then is how much of your personality and who you are uh has been changed by 15 16 years on youtube do you think that you would have been like a really different adult <laughs> do you think you would have kept the down bangs instead of the up hair <laughs> oh god like if i just never like grew beyond myself as an 18 year old i mean just if, yeah. you, if you never started youtube you know and we yeah. talked about like what you would be doing potentially yeah. the job but like do you feel like aspects i know mine has of having like been in the entertainment industry my whole life i'm a different person than i think i would have been in any capacity there is that element of being on all the time the way that i speak is different it, I am manufactured mm -hmm. to some extent, and I'm aware of that. I think the, the thing that's interesting is I think this that is now democratic, that specific feeling, because that is what social media is, is everybody doing that to each other all the time. God. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, I, I'm just watching Rowan like, 
have an existential crisis <laughs> over in the but top that's... right. <laughs> well, no, no, I, I agree. I think I kind of sit in that pocket between what Bijan just said and how Sage lives. So I, <laughs> ooh. I mean, yeah, we did this to ourselves. That's the bottom line here. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, yeah. It's... Well, because branding. I mean, we were talking about branding before. Every single individual who exists with social media now is aware of branding. Mm-hmm. You can't say that they're not. Everyone either knows what their brand is, knows what brand they like. It yeah. on purpose tries to shirk the idea of branding. Branding is at least universal as far as smartphones and internet connections go. I yeah, say. I mean brand I mean branding definitely became a very a very obvious thing. I mean, you go to any like millennial micro influencers Instagram page and it's just like right there. Yeah. Oh, that's just that's just a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I, I see, like, they're like, wellness, lifestyle, uh, tea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, I feel like, I feel like Gen Z at least is is less cringy with their branding. Yeah, that's fair. Because they're actively trying to be. I think. Yeah. They learned because there us. was a global pandemic, and, um, and they learned and the by watching part. us be cringe. Fun yeah, fact. I think so. They're also speed running it themselves, and we can see it all right now. TikTok is real bad. Um, but speaking of smartphone penetration in the U.S. Uh, from twenty is, this year is seventy two point seven percent. Seventy two point seven percent of Americans own a smartphone. Yeah, that, that seems right. actually low. Hey, right, right. But that's like, that I mean, it makes sense because like everyone else has a dumb phone. It's you know like by choice right. or by necessity. Right. Like, well, I guess also there's like children. They don't have. Phones, right, you know, or yeah. just lack of access financially. You have the elderly with their jitterbugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Now, and my like, parents with finally, the parents' phone. Yeah. My parents finally got a smartphone like a couple of years ago. Wow. Yeah. How, how does that make you feel? You getting like high res pics of like dogs and stuff? Well, my mom sends me emojis. Oh. I can't That's wait to change. get this bad boy, but with jitterbug buttons. I can't wait for us to get over it. It's what is a incredible. jitterbug? Oh, oh boy. God. Do I have a side tangent for you? <laughs> <laughs> We're almost out of time, so we won't quite jitterbug side tangent until after oh, the jitterbug show. hours. And, like, you're not yeah. on social media all that much, Ian. Like, you you have that, like, what's that, a healthy boundary? I don't... God, I wish that were me. What Did is, you describe it in visceral detail? I wish, I wish that were the case. I'm on Twitter way too much. I just don't choose the post. You okay. didn't even know your Twitter handle. Yeah. That's so wise. I forgot because I think my Instagram handle changed at some point to Ian Hecox, and I couldn't remember what I did with my Twitter. I'm I I, I do not have a healthy relationship with with social media, despite me not posting much on it. Um, I don't have a good I don't have a, a great relationship uh, with social media. I say as I look over to my phone. I have um, I have so many thoughts about that specifically, and I. I think I we are all it. we are all too self-flagellating about how much time we spend on social media. If it brings you joy and it makes you feel better and it's not actively ruining your life, but you feel a little less bad about but yourself. But is it making you feel better or are you doom scrolling? Right. It depends on your individual oh, I mean, relationship. Is it temporary? I, are you yeah, shortening I, your attention span to a limit that is untenable? I, tr- I yes, trust people fine. to know what they feel at any given time, which yes, is maybe so. giving people too much credit. Why? There's that I great trust where they're on the island of the Lotus Eaters. They were trusting they had a, had a great time too until they couldn't leave. But I mean, like, like these engineers have like basically like hacked our brain chemistry. Thank like, you. We're not completely in control of our impulses. I mean, I guess you could say we are, but it's very hard to to fight those impulses. Like I found that like 
I just don't reflect on anything. Like I just keep moving forward and distracting myself with social media. Mm. So that's that's been my recent like revelation where I'm just like, oh yeah, I fill every like empty moment with the phone. I also feel like knowing knowing and working with you, you you're you're very involved in like news cycles and things like that online, which is like uh, incredibly incredibly uh, harmful uh, to your own (laughs) psyche. Um, so like not if for I every find meme all of it got, funny. <laughs> that's not how that works. I feel like for that's... every meme you've got, you've got like a heartbreaking tale of like a yeah. young boy in like, I don't know, no, no. grass France. No, no. Yeah. Bears on fences only. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, look, I, I, the human brain, on the one hand, the human brain was not meant to process this much information and this many people at once. Oh. On the other hand, it's also good to know like what's going on in the world, I think. I mean, the other thing is you... You learn too much stuff and you're powerless to stop any of it and that makes you feel bad. Listen, I don't know. You, I don't know. You I'm, can't I'm stop the oil clearly. spills in the Gulf, but you have to know about them to make the Cthulhu memes that came out <laughs> when that big thing. So you have to be up to date or else your memes will be stale. You gotta know Ian, the ocean's I, on fire. And I will say, one piece of advice that I have is literally just, so the reason that I, like I write also, like I like write mag for magazines, and like in my free time when I'm not podcast, it's not even free time. Jesus Christ, I need to take mm-hmm. a vacation. But it helps when you have like when you sit down and just try and produce like a piece of writing, because you sit there and you reflect and you think about what you actually think, and you get to sort of the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And it helps sort of detach from that like frenzied cycle treadmill Yo, thing. We that we're cannot on. leave Ian on an existential crisis. That's not an ex- that's yeah, a yeah. piece of advice. That's I good. want him to walk away feeling hugged. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> darn it. You gotta leave the show feeling hugged. Um, overall, I do want to say just like of something that I, I don't think that, you know, I've ever really properly gotten to in, in my time at Smosh is that like you have built something that not only like you were talking about your opportunity to like when you got your first paycheck, potentially like get out and move out and you want to get out of your parents' house. You are now somebody that like creates those opportunities for other people, you know, and that's really magical. And I get to like go and see uh, the incredibly talented like cast and crew that that surrounds you um, and this channel that does such good work and has so many specialized skills um, and your ability simply to look at that and go, I, I need help. I need other people to do what they do um, has created a whole nother generation of creators that um, have experienced the benefits of you fucking having an inside joke with your friends when you were a kid, you know? Um, yeah. It's been a wild ride. And that's that's really special as somebody who, who very much gets to uh, live in that benefit, you know? Um, so you say you. you don't look back, but it's the ultimate pay it forward, actually. <laughs> Whoa, my <laughs> mind is deep. Is blown. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It was deep. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. Bro. It is really that deep. You can get philosophical about the internet. It's important too. We need to think about it critically. Yeah, but it's really cool. And the fact that like yeah. Smosh has been something that has not only survived, but thrived over so many years is um, really incredible. And as like, you know, this kind of like, I think a lot of us sit in this like mid-generation of content creators um, where we're not the like Gen Z TikTok kids and we're not the like, you know, OGs of this content. It's so interesting to watch everybody move around us on both sides that kind of paved this path um, that people can do what you do now so much easier. Yeah. Um, 
So thank you for coming on and chatting with us and like talking about that time and talking about Chuck E. Cheese a lot more than we were expecting. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Look, I think I think this was a good episode, right? <laughs> oh, this <laughs> was arguably one, one of the best. Yeah, yeah. for sure. You <laughs> can wait for... till I leave to be like, I suck, man. No. Sucks. No, are you kidding me? We're going to debate the merits of the revamp Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> no, I, I, get, yeah. I got I think I that's got the... worthwhile. I got to get philosophical about the internet, which is the one thing I love doing the most. And I got to add up the fact that if you were still working at Chuck E. Cheese with a 25 cent uh, raise per year, you'd be making about 10.50. Oh. Okay. dollars max. Yeah. Uh, I like to think you'd get an extra raise. Yeah, maybe you'd get a little bonus for a good, uh, you know, for the dance moves. Um, hey, on the- and that's a comment on minimum wage. <laughs> 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 I don't know. That's really cool. Um, thank you, Ian, so much for for taking the time to come and chat with us. That's really cool. Of course. Thank you all. This was yeah. a lot of fun. I had a good time. Thank you for being nice to me. Do you feel hugged? Likewise. Sage, Sage, Sage usually isn't. She, <laughs> guys, guys, Sage, Sage is Ian? mean to me. Ian? Help. Ian? <laughs> Blink That's twice. Like a personal problem. She's great to us. Okay, I guess people might take <laughs> this seriously. Tomorrow. No, <laughs> Don't Sage you dare. Sage is very nice. <laughs> Sage is nice. <laughs> I'm just going to write it off. I'll as see a you bit. tomorrow, Ian. <laughs> oh. We won't. <laughs> Yeah, that's your problem now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I genuinely, uh, I genuinely love getting to work with you. And this is such a different um, experience of getting to talk with you about stuff like this that like, usually we just talk about memes at work. <laughs> yeah, or I, or I share some depressing fact about how there's, uh... oh, never mind. I don't want to depress you guys. <laughs> I was going to give you a landmine fact, but I won't. No, no, do it. Do it. Just Do l- it, and last. then we'll immediately roll the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You ready? You ready? Well, I think I think in Egypt alone, there's um, 20 million unexploded landmines um, that are just sitting out there. Wow. Makes sense. Bring to Egypt next month. Yeah, no, like, literally, yeah. Yeah. Not land like mind-blowing, like landmines. Um, like landmines. Well, hey, uh, that's an excellent place to leave us. Ian, is there anything in particular that people <laughs> should go keep an eye out for or check out? Well, they should check out Smosh. We've been doing a lot of fun stuff. Uh, that's our main channel. That's our sketch comedy. Um, then we have Smosh Pit. Uh, we have a very <laughs> long-running, uh, very funny series called uh, Try Not to Laugh, which I believe, Sage, you had your first episode. I think it's coming out soon. Soon-ish. Yeah, I think it's this month. Um, okay, yeah. So check that out. It's always a good time. And then, of course, Smosh Games, where you can see Sage uh, playing board games. All that good stuff. Sorry, I'm holding back a birth because I'm <laughs> over 30. You got to let them out. You got to let them out. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Very cool. Um, yeah, everybody, go do that, obviously. I'm sure you're already there. But a reminder to go back. There's new content, I bet, since last time you looked. We uploaded a lot. <laughs> Like guarantee, you turn around, there's a new video, which is great. Lots, keep yourself busy all the time. Uh, Anyways, uh, hi, yes, I have been Sage. I go by uh, not Sage everywhere on the internet. I'll still continue to be after. Uh, You can find me on Smosh Games all the dang time and you should. That's all I'm going to do. And on this channel, thank you, uh, everybody who supports our silly independent little network of uh, friends doing shit like this. Very cool of you. Uh, Bijan. Hello, it's me, Bijan Steven. Uh, I make podcasts. I make a show called Eclipsed, which is not out, but you can listen to the trailer. It drops on uh, the trailer's out now, but the show appears in your feeds <laughs> on November sixteenth. Uh, I am ready for it to be in the world, so I can stop thinking about it, which is not how that works. But 
Um, yeah, but you can find me online at Bijan Steven. I do a lot of stuff on the internet. Hey, I'm Rowan. You can find me everywhere on the internet at the Rowan Hall. When I am not here all over this channel, I am a podcaster for the Willing and Fable podcast, where we cover history, mystery, and mythology every week. And I was, am, and will be Harry Horror, uh, Twitch's uh, true crime streamer, also debunking conspiracy theories, exploring the paranormal weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Also, future author of Mouse Demand, the Ian Heacock story, uh, available <laughs> for $29.99 at all major book retailers about 10 years from the future. Um, it is my sincere hope that you'll enjoy it. And I'm already preparing a song. I'm just waiting for, for y'all to leave. Yeah, so. sing us out, Harry. Oh, God. What, are we actually out? Oh, you know, we're like going. We're going. This is okay. it. This is it. We're leaving. All right. Take us out. Goodbye, everyone.